0: John chapter 15. I'm also going to read a few verses from Isaiah chapter 5. But uh, we're going to read together John 15, the first 17 verses this morning. As you're finding that, let me read from Isaiah 5, just, uh, just the first few verses. We already sang from Psalm 80, uh, where God refers to his people, Israel, as, as a vine. And there's a lot of references in the Bible to, to Israel as this vine or as an, an entire vineyard. And uh, much of that God's describing his people as someone he's planted in the earth and also as, as, as someone he's, he's coming to look like a vine looking for fruit. And often in the Old Testament, usually he doesn't find the fruit that he expects to find. And there's also a lot of judgment language around the uh, the image of of the vine isaiah 5 is like this love song talking about how he's planted israel as his vineyard i will sing for the one i love a song about his vineyard my loved one has had a vineyard on a fertile hillside he dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines he built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruits. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have, could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I tell you what I'm going to do with my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. And that's in connection with John chapter 15, the words of uh, our Lord Jesus. I heard the announcement at the beginning of the service that you're going to have a breakfast tomorrow. I've been living in the States for the better part of the last 25 years. And that holiday has been created in that time, I think, because it wasn't there when I left. And I always kind of wondered, what do Canadians do on, on this family day? Now I know, you get together and you eat, which is... Sounds good. Sounds great. Well, that's what Jesus and the disciples were doing. They were in the upper room and they were eating together and and, and Jesus also gave them the Lord's Supper. And, but he's been feeding them in other ways. He's been preparing them for his his coming death. Teaching them. You know, those that that small close band of disciples. He's been walking with them for 3 years and now he's getting them ready for something they're not really ready for. He told them what's going to happen. He's going to die. He's going to be raised up in three days, and yet they weren't ready for it. And he keeps on just pumping them full of of instruction and encouragement as that dreadful time approaches, including these verses here in John 15. So let's read at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruits, while every branch that does bear fruits He prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruits by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruits unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. That's our reading from God's uh, holy, inerrant, inspired word here this morning. My brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, last summer, I took a break for a number of months from full-time ministry, and uh, I had, I had the, the privilege and opportunity of, uh, of doing some, some jobs with my hands. Driving truck, I worked landscaping for a little while. One of the things I really enjoyed about, about uh, the jobs that I had was just, just getting my hands in, in dirt and working with plants and flowers trees and the like. So one of my jobs was landscaping and one of the hardest parts of that job, but also the, uh, the most delightful parts was was planting mature trees. If you've ever done that before, like it could be pretty tough actually. You've got a root ball that's quite huge, really, really heavy. You've got you to dig a hole, but then you've got to manhandle these, these huge you know, cedars or spruces, uh, whatever they were, uh, into place and get them lined up perfectly. Sometimes the house, sometimes the house owner comes up and makes sure that's perfectly vertical and line with the other trees and bushes and everything else. Well, you got to you got to tear away the the burlap from the from the root ball. You got to kind of get the branches looking good. Anyways, by the end of the experience, your your hands—they've been in branches, they've been in the needles. Your hands smell of the tree. So it's like. And, and it's delightful, right? It lasts for like 24 hours. It kept on smelling my hands because it was just so, so good, that cedar or whatever. It's like the vitality of the tree is it, it spread to you. It, it, it rubs off on you. and You kind of carry it around for the rest of the day. Another one of my jobs is driving, driving truck to various uh, wholesalers and, and uh, garden centers and that right here in, in Niagara. And so, driving early in the morning, and uh, and, and and watching the, the vineyards just start to kind of develop, and the fruit start to develop on the on the vine, and s- and finally the the vines just hanging heavy with with uh, with grapes, right? And just the sense of what a great harvest that is going to be, and what those grapes are going to produce uh, for the for the farmer, for the uh, for the vine dresser, just. If you work in those fields, you know what I'm talking about. There's just a sense of vitality. Things are getting green. We can hardly even imagine uh, driving across across uh, these these uh, these roads today with all of these uh, frozen the frozen tundra right now. That in just a few months things are going to be growing and you know vital again and producing a, a really rich harvest by by God's grace. And it's, it's neat being around that kind of vitality and that kind of, of life and, a, and a, a beautiful harvest. And as Jesus is trying to, he, he's preparing his disciples for his coming departure, uh, which for them is going to be so shocking. And he, he's teaching them, he's preparing them not just for the experience of going through the loss of the Lord Jesus to death and then his coming back in resurrection and then his going back to the Father, but also to be leaders in the church and, and to teach new believers everything that he's taught them. And, and the way that he captures what a disciple looks like, not only what they are to look like, but what, what all disciples of the Lord Jesus are going to look like, all worshipers. He picks this really delightful way of describing what a disciple looks like. I don't think we can get any closer to an understanding of what a disciple looks like than in our passage here this morning. Branches tied into a vine, and branches bearing fruit. The vine bearing fruit only through the branches. And, and the vine dresser coming and pruning so that the branches will bear more fruit. And, and, and Jesus is picturing, even as he's about to give his life away for the sake of the branches, this picture of the Son of God giving all of his joy All of his finished work, all of the fruit of the Spirit within him, giving it to all of his believers, so that when he leaves, there's going to be a brilliant harvest, totally based on the seed, the plants of the Lord Jesus Christ, the vine planted and bearing fruits out of his life, his death, his resurrection. This vine spreading energy through to all of the branches. In every vine and all of the vineyards that belong to the expansion of, of God's kingdom here on earth. So that's pretty simple. Our, our theme here this morning is, is what a disciple looks like. And just the, the simple answer is a fruitful branch on the vine. Just a couple points in covering this passage here this morning. It's this fruitful branch on the vine filled with the joy of the Son, first of all, and then secondly, pruned by the Father. So filled with the joy of the Son and second, pruned by the Father. So this is what a disciple looks like. A fruitful branch in the vine filled with the joy of the Son. So, I am the true vine, Jesus said. And this is one of seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Jesus says things like, I'm the bread of life. I'm the resurrection of the life. I am the light of the world. This is the last of those seven. It's Jesus in the upper room. And he's identifying himself as God in the flesh, right? The kids here might remember. When Moses stood before the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, God tells them to go to Egypt, let my people go, say that to the Pharaoh. And, and Moses said, who shall I say sent me? They don't know what authority. Do I go and, and speak to, to, to the Pharaoh? He said, tell them that the I am sent you. That's the voice that came out of the burning bush, the I am. And Jesus takes that language upon Himself, showing that that, this is His identity. And He he understands who He is now, God in the flesh. The Word of God taking on flesh. Now in the Old Testament, as we already noted from, from Psalm 80 and Isaiah 5, this is pretty common language in the Old Testament referring to Israel. The people of God, but seen as, as this vine or this entire vineyard of God, planted by God and with a sense that as, as the vine dresser, as the farmer, when he comes to prune and to look at his vine and his vineyard, he expects fruit. And, and there's this love language of, of a farmer like tending to his fruit and loving his plants and loving his vineyard, but then also this expectation where he's, he's so, so often disappointed by the lack of fruit, by the lack of a harvest. So Israel, in terms of being that son of God, that people of God, that vine that just bears fruit for his glory, Israel's been a failure. And we see that because by the end of the Old Testament, you know, Israel has is, gone into exile a couple of times. There is a return from exile, but it's, it's, a, very, like it's a very tiny little remnants, it's a very imperfect picture of even what the glory of Israel used to look like, and what the prophets talk about in terms of the future glory of Israel, this can't be it, this can't be the fulfillment of this great and beautiful vine so Jesus is saying, I'm the true Israel I am the true vine, everything from the Old Testament finds fulfillment in me, I'm here and now Israel and the new Israel and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can be the vineyard of God because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and, and make that happen. I'm going to make that possible. I'm going to make them into, into this perfect vineyard in my, in my blood and my death and, and resurrection. So he comes, of course, he's perfectly obedient and he produces fruit after fruit after fruit, harvest after harvest, and ever since, Right? Ever since his death and resurrection, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the church has grown. And the world has seen this, this huge harvest come in. Africa used to be a place of terrible darkness a hundred years ago, right? A tiny little percentage of, uh, of, of the entire continent of Africa made up of Christians. Now there are hundreds of upon hundreds of millions of Christ followers in Africa. I am the true vine, and there's been a rich harvest. Now, the timing of this is, as I mentioned already, Jesus with his disciples in the upper room, and at the end of chapter 14, he says to them, come now, let us leave. And so the picture is of of Jesus and the disciples leaving the upper room, and now going, going out into the darkness. Uh, Jesus on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will uh, pray before, struggle before his father. With, with the, the weight of, of sin pressing down upon him. His, his coming punishment, what he will have to endure, the wrath of God. In order to pay for the sins of his disciples and, and for all he came to die for. It's incredible drama as they leave, let us go. And now as they're walking and, and, uh, and the burden is falling on Jesus and the disciples don't know what's going on, the things he said in the upper room, someone's going to betray, betray the Son of God with a kiss. Peter's going to deny him three times. All of this, he's calmly just teaching them and preparing them for what's, what's about to come. He's the one who's suffering most of all. Here's how you're going to survive. Here's how you're going to thrive. Remain in me. Abide in me. He says it seven times in this passage. It's the main point, clearly, what he's trying to get across to them and to us. No matter how difficult the coming days are going to be, no matter how much you're going to be persecuted for my name, This is how you will survive and thrive. Remain in me. Stay connected to the source of life and hope and power. Your soul has to rest on Jesus, on your Savior. You have to feed on Christ. If you remain on your own, this this is the sermon against every ounce of self-sufficiency still remaining in us, that we feel we can live a life of faith on our own. If you remain on your own, living on your own resources, your soul will dry up and become parched like a desert. As some of you have been there recently, probably. Some of you are, are, are feeling, you know, That sense of dryness right now. If you remain self-sufficient, looking for strength and joy and encouragement and life within yourself and your own efforts, your soul will dry up. If you abide in Christ in His ways, in His finished work, you will bear fruit. Now this passage... It's not a kind of um, an an ethical, merit-based sort of you remain in Christ, then you'll bear fruit. Sort of an earning sort of works righteousness, not at all. This passage is full of the love of God and the Son for His vine and for His vineyard. This is the Son on the way to the cross to make sure His branches stay connected to Him and bear fruit. Uh, Verse 4, remain in me, I will remain in you. I will remain in you. No matter what happens. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. John just seems to love to pass on what he has learned in terms of what Jesus has said himself. The Father loves me. The same love the Father has for me, He has for you. And the love that is in me, I now now channel to you. It's no program of of merit. And my love is so great that I'm going to lay down my life for you. That's what I'm doing right now, that supper in the upper room. That's what that was all about. The bread, the wine, me giving my life up for you. And why? Why? He identifies them eventually as friends. Greater love, verse 13, has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. You know you know when you have friends, right? Like, we're called to, in the church, there may be people that we, we don't, we might, we might not say we like so much, but we're, we're called to love one another, and there's a depth to that. But, when, you, when you've got buddies, you've got a group of friends, you hang out with them, in a sense, not just because you love them. <laughs> there is that deeper love, you know, between Christian friends. But you hang out with friends. You want to be with them because you like them, too. Like, you like spending time with them. You enjoy it. It's easy because, because there's friends. And we got this, uh, this wonderful language here in, in verse 15. It's like rabbi uh, servant language, I no longer call you servants. You know, rabbis would call their followers, their disciples, servants, and they would, they would serve them. Rabbi would teach, and they would get that benefit, and, and the disciples would, that was a normal relationship, would, would act as kind of servants to, to the rabbi. That's, this is not our relationship anymore. It's been that way for a few years, and you know, in, in many ways, I've been teaching, I've been um, leading you and directing you, and you've been following me. But now, near the end, as I'm about to depart, I call you friends. No longer servants. And if what you need, as my friends, is my very life, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give up my life for my friends. I was reading through this this past week again. And I was was just thinking from the point of view from heaven, I wonder what God thinks of us sometimes. When Jesus comes on earth and says things like this, and we still doubt whether he hears our prayers. I wonder what he thinks sometimes. After the sun spilling out his heart, this heart on a plate, Whatever I have to do, I'm going to do it. You're my friends. I not only love you, I like being with you. That's what he's saying. And I wonder, as he shares his heart, why we still doubt whether he loves us. A servant doesn't know his master's business. I mean, a master doesn't have to share his business. But I've called you friends. Everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus has been sharing the mission of his father. He's been sharing his purpose for coming and why he's about to die. He's been confiding them. He's been walking with them and eating with them. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And now he says, remain in me. Abide in me. Stay connected to the source of love and life and energy and vitality. Remain in in my love. You won't find life anywhere else. You can't be a branch floating on your own or try to connect to some other power source. Remain in me as branches remain in the vine. Now, how do we stay connected to the vine? To... To Christ, We find out in, in the rest of the New Testament that the fruit he's talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. For example, in Galatians, right, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Jesus says here he obeyed the commands of God. He invites his disciples, encourages them, commands them to obey God's commands, he says, I obeyed those commands. Jesus produced the fruit of the Spirit in his life. So for me to produce the fruit of the Spirit, to be a branch that produces grapes, produces a harvest, I need to spend time with Christ. I need to remain in Christ. I need to pray that the Father that the fruits that belong to Jesus' life would also belong to my life. I need to spend time with Christ. With what He has said, with what He has done. So that, so that five years later, the anger problem is not as much of a problem as it used to be because He's developing that fruit. The same fruit that He has that he demonstrated in his life on earth, by his spirit, he's now working that also in my life. That vitality from Christ flowing also down through the vine into me, into the branches. I'm more gentle, I'm more patient, I'm more self-controlled than I was. I'm not where I should be. The catechism talks about, you know, in terms of the commandments, having at least a A small beginning, right? Of obeying not just one, but all of the commandments of God. That beginning of obedience. But it's there. Because you're in the vine, and that obedience of Christ, that fruitfulness, will flow to the branches. He says that a number of times, there will be fruit. This is the question for every disciple, which just means follower of Christ, or maybe even more literally, Christ learner, someone who is regularly throughout our lives learning of Christ, and not just learning stuff about Christ, which just could kind of stay up here, but learning Christ, learning what it is to be like him, learning to live out of the power of his death and resurrection, and this is the question for every disciple. Are you remaining in the vine? Are you abiding in Christ? Is it clear to anyone from the outside, to your wife, to your husband, to your kids, to your friends, that you are someone who remains in Christ? You spend time with Christ. You pray often in His name and in His power. What does your soul feel like? The very core of who you are and why you say and do what you do. What motivates you? What's there? Is it full of Christ and His ways and His fruits? Can you see it? If you can, you're in the vine. Remain in the vine. Stay there. Find your life there. Draw your every breath from the vine. Get your desires from the Lord Jesus Christ, your motivations, your will, your delights. Don't leave the vine. The more you remain, the more fruit that you bear. Know that's why, because you're connected to the vine. There's never a time in which we graduate from our need for, for, for grace for the power of his Holy Spirit, so that we might bear fruit. In fact, the more uh, the stronger disciples that we get throughout our lives, the more we know it's only because we're connected to Christ. Without me, you could do nothing, he said. Nothing that's glorifying to God. Nothing that is truly spirit-wrought fruit. Now let, let's let, let's. Broaden this a little bit. How does does this happen? Verse 7, he's pretty specific. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be given you. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. He's pretty clear throughout his ministry and throughout the scriptures that this is what we need, that his words remain in us. This is not just, of course, the, the teachings of Jesus. But there is a focus on the disciple of Christ getting to know whatever Jesus said really well. Uh, the church that I'm, I'm serving right now uh, in, uh, in Burlington, a fellowship church, we've been, our small groups are right now going through the book of Acts. And, and as part of just getting, getting that word a part of us, we've been, in the mornings, I've been leading a, a, a Zoom call for like 15 minutes. Everybody can come in on the Zoom call. And I've just been reading through, uh, day by day, reading through Acts. And, and, and through Acts, what we see is the life of Jesus flowing through the apostles. They didn't understand it when he was teaching them so much. They got some of it, but there's so much they didn't get. But when the Holy Spirit came, and they went on and started teaching, all of it came to life. And everything that Jesus shared with them, and showed them, and taught them, They started to preach that stuff, and people were added to the church over and over again, right? That word was in them. Can you say that the words of Jesus are alive in you? Not just there, not just knowledge and ideas, but alive in you. Are you abiding in the word of God? How important are the scriptures to your life? Uh, to your reason for getting up in the morning, to your business life, your, uh, your school life right now. How important is the Word of God to you? By digging deep into the Word, that's how the life of Christ flows into us and through us. That's how the character of Jesus forms in us. And that's how the fruit of the Spirit begins to flow out of us. All because we're connected to the vine. Connected to, to the scriptures. A number of years back, when we were living on the West Coast, we took a trip down to California about this time of year. Sometimes people are known for traveling down to Florida, here to get away from the cold. Um, and uh, we traveled down to California a couple of times to get away. It wasn't so cold. It was just really rainy and chilly. And so we go down to Florida. One of those trips, we ended up near Los Angeles and we were camping, and we expected it to be warm, because that's why we went down there. Well, we were in a valley, and it got down below freezing. No heaters, not enough blankets. Anyways, we were desperate for heat. Now, I tend to sleep a little, a little warmer than my wife does. In the middle of the night, I woke up. My wife was... St- st- clinging to me so tightly, trying to suck out of me every ounce of heat I might have left, just so she could get through the night. The end of the story is we went to a hotel the next day, but that's that's another uh, that's a different part of the story. You would have had to bring the jaws of life in to separate us in terms of her desperation to, uh, to suck heat out of me at that, uh, that point in the middle of the night. How close are you to Christ? How how convinced are you that your life comes from Him? Without Him, you could do nothing worthwhile for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that He has come willing to give His life away for His friends. I love the one fruit that Jesus really draws attention to, we'll we'll end here before we move on to the second point, uh, is joy, verse 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. The only way that his joy can be in you is if you're remaining in Jesus. You're abiding in him. You're pressing so close to him so that you know that his life will pass through into you, including this joy. Not a passing happiness which could be there one day, gone the next, you know, which, which, is, which doesn't stand the test of time. Tough times come. You're, you're in these valleys, these, these times of some of you are going through losing loved ones, this valley, the shadow of death. And, but this joy that lasts, thats deep-rooted satisfaction in Christ. You don't just know things about Him. You, you know His love in you. It's different from every other religion what Jesus is talking about here. where you, you know, Every other religion says you do enough, you earn enough, you, you win some sort of favor from God. Some God will reward you. It won't be anything close and, and intimate like this, but you know, you'll get something from your God. This is totally different than that. I want your joy to be full. I don't just love you, I like you. I want your joy, I want... The joy that I have, I want your joy to be full. I've chosen you. You did not choose me. I chose you. I'm going to give up my life for you. Let me just ask one more time from another direction. Would, would Jesus right now know that you enjoy spending time with him by the amount of time that you actually spend with him? Can he tell from your prayers that it is, it is your greatest desire to bear fruit for, his, for the glory of his name? That you want his life to flow through you so that you could bear fruit, bear a harvest for his kingdom? Are you firmly planted in Jesus Christ? That leaves us just a little bit of time for the second point. Um, what does a true disciple look like? A fruitful branch in the vine... Pruned by the Father. Pruned by the Father. Um, The image of the vine is one who is planted by the Father. In verse 1, I'm the true vine and my Father is is the gardener. And the picture throughout the whole Old Testament was the Father planting Israel as the vine. The branches form, they're alive because they're connected to the vine. They're bearing fruits because they're connected to the vine. And uh, if you're thinking about uh, trees and bushes and the like, sometimes they need to be pruned, right? So uh, greater life, greater vitality will happen in two ways. Sometimes dead branches have to be cut off so that all the life from the roots up will travel to the healthy branches and they'll be healthier because they're not wasting time in a sense on, on the branches. There is a warning here for sure. There will be some, and we're not going to get into the details here, but there will be some that look like they're on the vine. And and that happens in the kingdom of of, of Christ, right? That happens in the church. Some will look like they're in the vine, but they're not. Because they're not truly connected to to Christ. Um, They may say things, they may look like believers, but there will be some who really don't belong and will be cut off. But others he will prune, true disciples that that even are bearing fruits but in order to bear more fruits he'll come and prune and and just just you know all of the teaching through the scriptures in terms of why is there why are there trials and difficulties in the life of believers because it's not it's not evidence the father hates us it's not evidence that the father is like it, it, it doesn't you know is 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 not is not even even happy with his children or somehow he is he is he is simply just mindlessly punishing us there's pruning, there's disciplining, uh, because he's looking to, for us to bear more fruit, and that's just how it happens. The older you, you live, the more you understand that. There's no, real, like, there's no real life change you know, in my heart, in my life, unless there's difficult things to go through. That's where, that's where he draws us closer, that's where he teaches us things that we need to learn, and there's, there's no other way to go through that just ask an older saint in the church and they'll tell you that um, some of their advances in the Christian faith came, most of them came during challenging times and gave up on ourselves and we looked to Christ. So we came to the end of ourselves and, and we, we, we dug deeper into Christ and trusting him and His sovereign and his sovereign plan. Hebrews 12, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not be weary, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He doesn't come and cut us off. When we have a bad day and we haven't been as fruitful as we should have been. But he does come and prune us. And he keeps us from becoming complacent and dry and fruitless because he wants fruit. And we should want fruit. And uh, fruit brings glory to his name. And he wants that more than, more than anything else because he deserves it. This is the solution for any recent discouragement you're feeling and experiencing right now. Uh, where maybe the losses seem to come one after the other. <laughs> or discouragement you're feeling right now because you don't feel you're bearing enough fruit. The father's cutting, he's pruning. But the same father is inviting you to remain in the vine. Don't grow weary. Trust his pruning abilities. (laughs) Stay in the vine and you will bear fruit. Remain where you are and then remain even more in, in Christ. Stay connected to Christ. I love this verse in, uh, in Acts chapter 4 where uh, Peter and John, are, are, they're preaching boldly and, and they're arrested. Everyone's getting excited about what they're doing. The crowds are following them. The Jewish leaders are, are upset. They're wanting to arrest them. and You've got to you gotta stop speaking in, in Jesus' name. But they're also impressed. And they were impressed because th- this, these are not educated men and they know what they're talking about. They talk about the Old Testament. They clearly know what they're talking about. And in one part of Acts 4, verse 13, it says they recognized they had been with Jesus. They were in the vine. Everything that Jesus knew and taught them, it was present in them because they were branches connected to the vine and that life was flowing. And they marveled that these men had been with Jesus. So this week, you and I want to be disciples, followers of Christ. We want to be Christ learners We want to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. We want to bring glory to his name. Abide in Jesus. Remain in Christ. Celebrate his death and resurrection on your account. Watch as the Lamb of God goes on the pathway towards Calvary to die for his friends. Abide in him, and you will bear much fruit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what tremendous act of Your grace that You plant it all in this in this uh, sinful world, with the, the history of the church and so, ma- so many failures, and and yet You You keep on planting and You keep on pruning. Thank You that at the center of it is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord the Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Great, marvelous grace, great power over sin and death. We just pray that the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus would flow from Jesus to us. That his motivations, his delights would be ours. That all of the fruit that he bore on earth that you will now bear that fruit through us. Joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, faithfulness, all of the fruit of the Spirit. Help us to draw our encouragement and strength from you as we remain in Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Our uh, hymn of application, we'll sing number...